So, uh, welcome everybody. Once again, this is uh, Put It On Record, the uh, podcast about DJing, uh, hosted by DJs. Uh, once again, I am DJ Burn, aka I chimed in with, <laughs> and I'm here with my co host. Don't fret. Um, you can meet me in the trap. It's going down. I don't know. <laughs> or toot that thing, mommy. Let it roll. Hello, Huey. <laughs> So how was um how's your mentals going? Uh this week is definitely better than last week, personally. Um yeah, I'm blessed. I won't complain. How about you? I am. <laughs> Look at this fool in the background. Come on, crawl, crawling away. <laughs> oh my we god. Can see you. That's what you need to put on. <laughs> That's what you need to make sure you put out for promo this week. <laughs> crawling um, like that. I'm good, you know. I can't complain. Um, got, this weekend was a very unique weekend, to say the least. Jam packed. Orange soda went great. I'm waiting for um, wait for Steve to tell me if he got that little set I did on video or not. But why me, wouldn't he have good. it? Well, you know, I mean, he doesn't record the whole time, so. Uh, I literally thought he came, recorded, and bounced. I didn't realize he was just there, not recording things. Yeah, he like. Well, I don't know how videographers do it, but it's like, you know, you take a clip and you walk around and take another clip. So. Gotcha. But we'll see. Um, also, this weekend, a very mm-hmm. big weekend, we have snapped at uh, Two Troops on Friday. You Shout do. out to Lauricio. She's not here. She couldn't find her footstool, so Stop she's it. not. <laughs> don't do my girl like that. <laughs> she's not available. But we're, all three of us going to be at Two Troops. Make sure you come out. There's no cover. We have great bartenders. They serve great drinks. And we got some great music coming. So it's going to be a fun time. Um, and then Saturday afternoon, we will be in Cleveland. We've been selected to our first All-Star game. Starters. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Orange Soda All-Star Weekend at Rebar. Shout out to the owners of our Rebar. They, uh, our original venue unfortunately burned down because of electrical fire. So shout out to Chuck. I know you're going to bounce back, though, because he's a hustler. So um, That was Chuck's part? Um, it's a different Chuck. Got you. If I'm not mistaken, I'm probably wrong. But he's a, he's an iota, and he went to Toledo. That's how I know him because he used to be at Bowling Green. He Got was you. there when I first started DJing. If it's the same Chuck, I think it is. But he'll bounce back. Ain't no thing. Um, but well, Rebar, wait, don't forget to tell the people where you're going to be on Friday before Snaps. Oh, you know, I, I was, you know, I'm not a selfish person. I was just going to talk about the stuff <laughs> we're doing. Um, but uh, I will be at Lotus at the All Star Weekend tip off. With a couple of DJs you might have heard of, Chase, Ivy Reese, DJ Bandcamp, and uh, Meal. Um, so we'll be at Lotus. I'm driving up. I'm leaving work early. I'm driving up to go to there, and I'm driving back to go to Snap. Actually, I'll be at, I normally don't do a free promo, but I'll be at Bodega beforehand because Be Ready and his lovely wife are DJing until 10. So hopefully I come back early enough to go see them. Then we'll be at... Uh, I didn't realize that I didn't, I thought the time, the schedule conflicted. So I didn't realize that there'd be time for us to stop by. Cause it's what down the street. Yeah. Hop and in, it, say, show some love and then head to our gig. It's seven to 11. I mean, seven to 10. So it's like, you know, you can stop running real quick to show some love. You know, we support yeah. good people, good DJs. Um, yeah. So it's going to be a, Oh, and then on Sunday I'm going to be at wild goose for a haiku with a serious, um, they're serving uh, infused meals there. 
um, and doing poetry. So it's gonna be a you know a wild. Infused with what? With love. <laughs> uh, That's funny. So, uh, how was Orange Soda for you? Well, overall, it was a great show for me. Though personally, you know, I had like a my whole day was interesting. So when I got there, I was just like, "Uh, what is the night gonna be?" Um, but it ended up being a really fun night, like it usually is. Yeah, Scully's. Um, at first, we was worried about the attendance, just because. Hold on, am I recording? I'm about to say, if we do all this, I'm not recording. Yeah, I'm recording. At first, we worried about the attendance because it was Valentine's Day weekend, but uh, people came out in numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, with their Valentines. With their Valentines. Um, also, I'm excited because this is going to be 60 degrees tomorrow, and it's going to be 60 degrees Sunday through um, Tuesday. So the next orange soda, which is March 11th, it should be springtime by then. Springtime. So we're about to go crazy. But yeah, I, I really enjoy Orange Soda. Um, I'm really excited that I got those records off. Um, because Tell the people. Tell the people what records they were. Oh yeah, so uh, I mixed in. So me and you went back to back. We were doing three for three at the time. And you played uh, Snap Your Fingers. And I mixed in um, I Write Sins, Not Tragedies. Perfectly, might I add. I'm going to pat myself on the back. <laughs> and then I played, um, I think I played... No, I played Misery Business next. And then I mixed that with uh, Young Blood's Damn. Mm-hmm. And then you did three songs, and I came back. I was going to play. Uh... I ain't going to say it. I ain't going to say it because I'm probably going to play it. If you haven't song. played it yet, don't say it. Yeah, because, you know, these niggas are biters out there. Um, <laughs> but I went into um, Ain't It Fun, mm-hmm. which got a great reaction. And I played uh, Unwritten. And then after that, you went to uh, Pop Lock and Drop It. And, you know, the rest was history, you know. Yeah, you set the stage on fire. And then you looked at me and said, oh, you can have the last 20 minutes and walked away. (laughs) He was like, I know this nigga ain't trying it. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Um, you tried it for sure. And, um, uh, you know, that whole hide in the name of the tracks thing. So that's that's a thing you can just select. In Serato now to hide the names, but back in the day it was like an Easter egg. It's called a uh, AM mode. Shout out to DJ AM, rest in peace. But yeah, basically just hiding the names of the songs you're playing, so nosy motherfuckers can't come up like, oh, what's that? Oh, I don't know that song. Like, yeah, you don't know it because you're not a good DJ. Scram. I was like, is he trying to hide the song titles from me? I was like, all I'm doing is looking for the BPM. I don't. <laughs> I'm not trying to see what you're playing to like. I don't know, for like competitive reasons or anything. That's why I was looking at you like, I know you didn't just try it. And that's also why I was comfortable with doing it because I know that you wouldn't be concerned about the titles as much as the BPMs anyway, so it wouldn't make mm-hmm. you no difference. I'm surprised you even noticed, actually. Um, it was only, yeah, just I looked over and I saw it was missing. And there's only like, I would never really feel the need to do that unless certain people were hosting while I was DJing. I'm not going to call anybody out by name, but it's certain people that if they're on the mic, I would put that on. I would turn that on because they will call out the song before I get a chance to play it. And uh... that's actually a great segue because um, the person, the, the guest for this episode is uh, 
um, a good example of what to do in those situations. So, and they're right mm-hmm. on time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let me go ahead and introduce our guest for this episode. Now, of course, this episode, I mean, this podcast is about DJs um, and about DJing, and it's hosted by DJs with DJ guests. But I invited this guest on because this person has a very unique perspective when it comes to DJing, um, as far as bookings and um, venues are concerned, and events and event planning in general. So I thought it was important to get this perspective because I'm sure a lot of you DJs out there, young or not young, um, have questions for promoters or event planners, and you can't really get directly to them. So I happen to have a line directly to one with his pink shirt on. So uh, give it up for uh, Marlon Platt. Hey, guys. Sorry. I'm off the road just now. Um, I'm trying to give us the best lighting and aesthetic. I also haven't ate, so I'm eating turkey pepperonis. Child, uh, I thought that was an edible. <laughs> it like an edible? I'm like, he straight to the shits. <laughs> Not that kind of party. Um, uh, yeah, so like I said, uh, we have him on here today uh, just because he has a very unique perspective. He's very... Uh, tenure when it comes to event planning and throwing events and whatnot and we got some questions for him that he's probably not prepared for but i got some hard-hitting questions for him so before we start though we have an icebreaker that we ask all the djs and we're going to modify the question a little bit for you um we normally talk about what was our most embarrassing dj moment so what was your most embarrassing or hectic moment as a event planner or promoter uh all right, don't be that guy on the podcast that's eating been quite a few. while talking. Sorry. I wish Thank I did you. have an for you. Um, <laughs> there's been quite a few. I've been doing this for a while. I would say one of the most embarrassing, uh, we did a Valentine's, actually, it was around Valentine's Day. This is probably 2009, 2010. And we did a Nouveau party when Nuvo was like the thing. And so for anybody who's under 40, you remember the Nuvo phase hit crazy. It didn't even taste like anything, but it was this pink kind of sexy, uh, almost perfume looking drink uh, that everybody was going crazy for. T-Pain had it buzzing in the street, so it was it was wild. And we did a Nuvo party. We were supposed to have it at a venue in the arena district. Uh, I forgot the name of the spot. And at the last minute, they were like, oh, well, you can't do uh, 18 and up. You can't have anybody 18 and up. And we'd already marketed it as 18 and up. So we actually pivoted, switched it. We ended up doing it at the old uh, Chrome uh, down on Spring Street, for those of you who are that tenured. And man, we probably did like 15 people, like 20 people. Like We had to turn away so many people because we had promoted it as an 18 and up party. So we probably turned away two, 300 people because they weren't of age. And obviously if you're coming with somebody who is, we kind of all hit that college phase of some of my friends are 21, some of my friends aren't 21. And so even if you're 21, you're not gonna leave your 18 and up, you know, your friend who's not 21 outside. So it was a debacle, it was embarrassing. It was a thousand questions. And then as a promoter, you know, after that, people kind of like start questioning your credibility. So it took a long time for us to get over that. And then luckily Nouveau kind of went by the wayside and it was just, it was the end of an era. 
I don't recall Nouveau tasting good at all, to be honest. I can't. It was a cute, sexy bottle, though. It was. They they were selling. Uh, the marketing team did its job. The R and D team, uh, <laughs> or the, the the consumption side, not quite. I have a funny story about the arena. Um, one time, me and like all my friends, um, we went down there. We parked our cars in this lot, and I don't remember which bar we went to, but we were. It was like six or seven of us, and we were turned away because I was the only one in the group that wasn't twenty-one yet. So as we're walking back to the lot, you know, people are in their feelings, saying all these things to me, calling, you know, making jokes that I'm the youngest, da, 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 da. And right as we turn into the lot and start walking up to our cars, the guy was like, oh, these belong to y'all because they were just about to tow the cars. So because of me being the young whippersnapper that I am, nobody's car got towed that night. Listen, coming back in your car being gone is the worst feeling. I remember, um, this is a little short story, then we'll get to the interview. Um, back when, um, it's like, right, 03, uh, you know, the Domino's is on campus right there by uh, High and Lane. Um, there's a there's a bar right there now. I think it's the library bar or little bar, whatever it is. But that used to be like a, a, a Korean grocery store, as a matter of fact. But it was closed. So I was in a rental. I parked there real quick to pick up my pizza. I get out the car. I walked maybe 30 feet. I was like, oh, I got my wallet. I, t- I went back. My shit was already hooked up to the damn tow truck. And he was like, well, I'm already hooked up. So for more than me for release, you got to give me a hundred dollars. I'm like, what? So I had no cash. I had to run across the street to CVS. I gave him the cash. He probably pocketed that shit to be honest. But, uh, like I, like I, I swear I like, I, I was that quick. I walked out. I was like, damn, I got my wallet. I went back and it was already like, he's already raising my car up. So mm-hmm. if you ain't never got towed on canvas. You, you really wasn't outside to be honest. Period. Right. Um, but yeah, so we're here because, like I said, um, uh, we've been answering a lot of questions about DJing, um, how to get gigs, um, how to prepare for gigs, and you, I feel like you have the a, a, a unique view on um, nightlife in general. So before we get started, talk to us about some of the uh, current entities, businesses, brands that you're responsible for currently. Um, yes, great, great question. Uh, so originally started out with Level 3 Entertainment in 2009, uh, converted that to Marlon Anthony Events, uh, which kind of transitioned into doing, you know, a lot of parties, day parties, night parties, uh, food truck festivals, uh, 99 and 2000 parties. Uh, we were the first people to have a consistent uh, night on a weekly night in the arena district when we did social on Fridays. I always like to tell people to give me that credit. Uh, the first people to do a dollar night on Thursday, like not just one drink being a dollar, but every drink we did at Lounge 62 for Thirsty Thursdays was a dollar. So Patron was a dollar. Hennessy was a dollar. Ciroc was a dollar. And not just for an hour, all night. Uh, so we put that, you know, on on, on a good resume. Um, brunch and Beats, one of the first people to do a brunch here. Uh, this is like 2014. So this is before like the short north is taken off. This is before like you know, brunch culture is really like assimilated into Columbus the way it has now. Um, so, so that's pretty cool. Um, and then fast forward, uh, you kind of get into the, uh, the our bar era, uh, 2019 to 2021, uh, Long Live Our Bar, uh, we'll be back soon. Uh, and so owner, operator, managing partner of our bar um, and our bar crawl and fall crawl 
And I think that's pretty much it. I think we've named food truck, uh, festival. food truck festival, our food truck festival. So uh, created that in the midst of the pandemic to advocate and promote and give black owned businesses an opportunity to make some money as well as some exposure. Uh, so this will be year three for that. Uh, one fourth of the conglomerate known as Orange Soda, AKA Burner Friends. Big O, the biggest. The biggest, two G's, E-S-T. Um, and uh, Reva's personal hype man. Also host, true. quality host. Um, funny you mentioned brunches that, uh, I said this on Twitter, but it just popped up on Facebook. Five years ago, we did that brunch at the Walrus. And I feel like that was the one that actually got me back cracking in Columbus, that and the Fly Paper Party, because before that I had just moved back from LA, and that really got me going. So, so I just real—I don't be on Twitter every day, but I did see so you posted that, and that was at Walrus when Walrus like first opened. That's what—that's five years ago, like two days from now. Yep, yep, yep. So uh, yeah, so just this guy is responsible for not a, a lot of nightlife. So if you went for to, to any party in the past six years, he probably has something to do with it. Um, in one way, one one way, shape, or form. Um, and if you're a DJ, listen to this. He probably put some money in your pocket. So, uh, but let's l- let's rewind a little bit. Um, let everybody know where you're from, uh, where you went to high school, and how did you get to Columbus? Uh, originally from Cleveland. A lot of people forget that uh, just because I've been down here for so long. Uh, from the east side, Richmond Heights was like 15 minutes from downtown. Uh, I came down here to go to college. Uh, people think I went to OSU. Uh, that is not true. I just spent an abnormal amount of time at OSU for somebody who was not an OSU student. Uh, went to Capital University over in Bexley. Actually started the initial uh, Capital Icebreaker. They had one kind of before it, but it was kind of like a party in the mezzanine and it wasn't like well organized or attended. So um, all city icebreaker, I'm gonna take my credit on that too. Citywide icebreaker, take my credit on that. Um, and so I came out here, uh, played basketball for a year in college, then did the fraternity thing. And that kind of like got me to all this other stuff to where I am today. So I've been in Columbus since 2006, uh, full-time since 2008. So getting close to, I would say close to half my life in Columbus. You know, what's funny is I never know you play basketball. And what's also funny is that We've been working together for so long. I don't think we've, we rarely have a personal conversation. Not that, I mean, I don't, I don't mind that, but it's like, it's usually all business. And so I didn't know you played basketball. Uh, what were the other college choices? Um, so I had a lot of D3 schools uh, in uh, Columbus, in Cleveland. So Cleveland's kind of like uh, Columbus in some ways. It's a lot of small schools. So uh, uh, John Carroll uh, was after me. Baldwin Wallace was after me. Uh, Lake Erie College, which had just started at the time. And then I had a walk-on offer uh, for Cleveland State. And I was like, I, I'm not going to stay here to go to Cleveland State. And I I don't think it's a situation where I'm going to end up being like, it's Cleveland State. Now, if it had been like a walk-on offer at like OSU, like my best friend, he walked on to OSU, like that's a different story. But like Cleveland State, that ain't really worth like staying home for. So college years, uh, you say you played ball for a year. Then you got into the uh, organization and- Tell, tell us about your first event, your first event ever that you were either part of, you organized. Um, I want to say it's, it's kind of like half credit both ways. At Capitol, they have uh, an organization called EBA, uh, Ebony Brotherhood Association. It's essentially the organization on campus that all the black guys join 
just to like be around other black people. So for those of you that don't know, Capital at the time was 3,300 people, which is a very, very small uh, private Lutheran institution in Bexley, which is a Jewish community here in the center of Columbus. So 3,300 students is already small. It's probably like 200 total black people on campus. And so the black community, we, we kind of started this thing called Black Cap where we all sat together, we did everything together. And so typically you joined a, a black organization like Sister Network or SAC, uh, which was some joint black organization or EBA or all three or all two out of the three. Um, and so we did a cabaret uh, with the alphas, which was pretty cool. Um, at the time I wasn't at alpha, so it was kind of like we worked together on it. Um, I think my first like real like take hold and take charge event. And it's funny you asked me about an embarrassing event. We actually had a, a bad party like as a as an organization as Alpha, like 2007 or 2008, like we had a really like trash party. And I was like, look, man, we're not about to keep doing these parties and, you know, get the reputation that Alpha still bad parties. And so summer 2008, I worked at Walmart all summer. I worked for Freedom School, which is, for those of y'all don't know, it's like a reading program for high school students. Uh, saved all my money, uh, all my Freedom School money. I spent all my Walmart money making eight, 10 an hour. And I was like, we're gonna do an icebreaker um, on campus at Capitol. And so literally like had the flyer made, I think Marshall, oh yeah, bro, he made the flyer, um, spent like a little bit of money I had to get the flyers printed at the time. This is when Facebook was like booming. And so to tell my age, this is when you like went on Facebook and everybody who promoted had their own Facebook event for that event. So you would look on the event page and you would see like 20 citywide icebreakers or when people were posting on walls, you would see people just spamming walls like, man, and you couldn't even like you couldn't even have a real comment because it was just so much party promotion spam, and so we did that. Um, and DJ Fundamentals DJ my first party uh, at Capitol, and we it, it it rocked. I was a little nervous at first, but it rocked. Swag Surf had just came out, so that was like the song of the summer, uh, late summer, and we made twenty two hundred American dollars, and I was like, cool, I can make money doing this, bet. You also used to work at Beaver Threes. I remember specifically coming there and seeing you in there. So that's why I respect you because you, you, you got out the mud for real. You ain't one of the people that ain't never had a real job. So yeah, I'm gonna keep a job. If anything, I'm gonna keep a job. Nothing else. Wait, what was your job at Walmart? Uh, I was a cashier. Um, I took that job because I was upset. I wanted to stay down here for the summer in Columbus, and we couldn't find a house. And so I had to go home back to Cleveland and I was so upset. And so I was like, I'm gonna work the whole summer. I was like, I don't care about kicking it. I don't care about doing nothing. And so uh, school let out May 3rd. I started Walmart May 16th and I was a cashier. Shout out to Walmart. Shout out to Walmart. <laughs> I'm a Target type of chick, but Walmart's cool. I worked for Meyer for four years. So it's Meyer gang over here. But um, okay, so um. Would you say when you first got started, was there anybody that you saw doing event promotion or party promotion that influenced you? Um, yeah, and it, it's funny now because like these are guys I see and just talk to all the time. Um, but like at back then, it was kind of like God. Like so, you got Rich Garrett and Chad Wise. They were doing the Mid Month Mixer. Um, so you know everybody's coming with their you know bow ties and button up shirts and uh, Michael Jordan jeans and you know. Uh, uh, dress shoes and the whole nine and just the idea of like dressing up and paying 20 25 30 dollars to get in uh was crazy um then you got jeff gilliam and uh greg provo they were doing first fridays uh and so shout out to leah i actually got put on the first fridays because 
she's my homie and her dad is Greg Provo. And so they put me on, uh, him and Rob Avery. So they were cool. And then uh, Bobby at the time was like, Icon was pumping. Bobby was young. Bobby Fame was that dude. Um, and then uh, I eventually went on to meet Scott um, Finesse. So Scott Wooten from Finesse. So that was a little bit after I kind of already started doing my own thing. And then me and Scott, you know, worked together for shoot umpteen summers. Uh, and yeah, like, so those were the people that kind of just, you saw if they posted a party or they had something like it was always going. And who was a part of level three? Man, um, we got to go through it like an alumni list. So um, I'm a backtrack for a hot second. So I got to give credit to my dude, Jay Lee. Jay Lee was with Street Smart Productions. Uh, that's what really got us started. He was the one putting us on. Um, so Jay Lee, uh, Zach, those are guys were big, particularly coming out of Cleveland. And then, uh, uh, God, I can't remember buddy's name. Uh, Hom, uh, uh, Fly Fortune. And so they would yeah, all... Yeah, yeah. Parties there. Fly Fortune parties was like they would do the ABC party, they would do the phone party. Their parties were doing like 500 people easily, like on a regular night. Um, and so that those were big guys. But um, my bad. What was the question again? Uh, well, who's a part of Level Three initially? But also, where did the name Level Three come from? Because usually we have DJs on here. We'll say whatever your DJ name was. It wasn't your first name. So uh, was Level Three the original idea? And where did the name come from? Um, so I'm gonna tell the story backwards. So, uh, original part of level three, uh, my roommate at the time, Calvin Cooper, who, uh, who owns Rove, uh, realty or Rove, uh, housing, uh, here in Columbus. So it was him, my dude, Sean Moore, who was our roommate. Uh, he was head of marketing. I can remember everybody's role in position. Um, Shakir, my homegirl Shakir, uh, she was like over like admin stuff and organizing, uh, Brittany Ford uh who we dated for a minute back in college so she was just like ride or die for everything um like flyers whatever we needed to do and uh bc brandon carter uh bc was just like he was kind of like the bridge to like the older crowd because we were all like younger and so that's kind of how we started doing stuff at icon that's how i met bobby uh the whole nine and then uh my dude jay will jay will uh eric williams uh he just kind of like was on campus with us and he was like, yeah, I'm down. And so those were the guys that were like really doing everything, handing out flyers in the winter, uh, all that stuff. So it was, it was, it was nuts. The name level three, uh, entertainment. It was so goofy. I remember sitting down at the computer at the house over the summer while on Facebook, like, man, we need a cool name. I thought street smart was just the coolest name ever. I was like, bro. And for those of y'all don't know street smart, they had like shirts, they had hoodies, like, they had the whole nine. They had they were like the first people to have like a camera in the club, pictures in the club. Like everybody knew who Street Smart, who Zach and Gio were, uh, Jay Lee. Uh, so I was like, I want a cool name. Uh, and so uh, in Alpha, there's like an order that you stand in. So I'm a three uh, for those that find that relevant. And so I was like, I'm gonna just add on to that. And I was like, we're gonna take it to like the third level. So it was like level three. And I didn't have anything better. And I paid somebody to do a logo and. If you look up level three entertainment Columbus, the logo still comes up. It's terrible. It's awful. I'm pretty sure I got it on my computer. Um, you claim a lot of things at Capitol. Uh, you didn't take credit for them stopping to have icebreakers for a long time. Um, yeah, I'll take credit for that because I, um, 
burnt on the felony on my resume. Um, I remember vividly uh, right before I moved to LA, uh, I did the Iceberger Capital and uh, somebody there was, broke the window. <laughs> yeah, there was a, there was a huge melee at Capital. It was like one of the last icebergers I did too. I was older. I was like 22, 23. Huge melee between, I want to say it wasn't even the Alphas supposed to be fighting. It was like the Sigmas and the Qs was kind of like trying to leave at the same time. And it turned into a situation. We tried to break it up. And it was like a 20 on 20, like melee, like people getting thrown through like, you know, glass pane windows outside. Uh, everybody's like cut up, people are bleeding. Uh, it was wild. It was, yeah. So I got a phone call at 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning about what happened uh, from public safety and a whole bunch of other people. There was a report that somebody had a gun. It was a whole like whole thing. Like none of that was true. We had to meet with the president of the Q's. It was, it was, yeah. So there was probably like a three-year probationary period where we couldn't have any parties. I'll, I'll put that on my resume too, just for. What song was playing? What no, set it off? That's the thing, Reva. It was the let out. It was over. Oh. People were just leaving. You see, you know, the fraternities, I always do like, you know, chants and calls, whatever it is. And, you know, at that point, people probably had passed their limit in alcohol consumption, especially at 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. So, anybody step on your shoe, bump you, walk through your line, whatever it is. And it was like, I remember it, like the cues were going, the signals were going and it was just like a funnel. And it was like all hell broke loose for about, it was a long, <laughs> it was a long fight. Like I remember it being a long fight. Like, all right, I'm grabbing people doing this, doing that. I'm like, bro, like this, this is going left. Like we need to really stop me again. Whoever got thrown through the glass or fell through the glass. Yeah, that was, that was like two minutes of like for fight time. Two minutes of fighting is a long time to fight. Oh hell yeah! So, Aww, yeah. Shout out to that man. This Sorry was, to uh, that man. <laughs> <laughs> this was right after I had uh, my going away dinner at um, what's that place? It's uh, it's the two level restaurant in the Arena District. Why can't I think of the name of it? Right next to Callahan's. Oh, to the on the same side. Yeah, Bar Louie. Bar Louie. Yep. We, we have a going away party there, and uh, me and Kev was DJing. And for reference, don't fret, it was the exact the exact same room that, that you was in uh, for that party for Ferg. Oh, got you. Yeah. Oh, really? That same room? That that glass oh you see God. right there? Somebody got tossed <laughs> in that glass. Sorry to that man. <laughs> you know what's crazy is when I pulled up there, um, there was glass all over the place. So they still throwing people through the windows, baby. <laughs> well, that's capital for you. Um, so before we get to the rest of the questions, we're going to take a break and uh, go have our reoccurring segment put us on. This is uh, where we take uh, the time to put you on to some new music that you, uh, I mean, some music you probably never heard of, um, not necessarily new. And of course, I'm never ready for the segment. So we normally have the guests go first. Do you have a song that you want to put people on to? So this is funny because people assume that because I'm always at some kind of event or doing something that I really know music. I'm the person that'll listen to the same 15 songs like over and over and over and over again. So if you need to break music, I'm not the person to do it. Um, nope. It could be like an old song. It doesn't have to be new. Uh, God, I don't have anything. I wish I had something. I, I'm really bad at this game. Okay, better question. 
What's the last song that you listened to? Uh, Wicked Witch by Nardo. Some very much. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, some conflict resolution music. Just, <laughs> um, I. This is. I'm sure everybody that is a fan has already heard this song. It came out yesterday. A little surprise track from uh, Suck Sonic. Love's Train, Bruno Mars, Anderson Pack. It uh it sounds like the rest of their music, which is just good, good soulful music. So definitely check that out. Um, P Power, Gunna and Drake. Wow. Yeah, that's a great song. Great song all, all Love that song. across the board. All right. So um over the years, uh, it seems like you've been um uh, doing the whole event planning thing for what did you say like 20 years 15 years uh, age that man uh, 08, sorry to interrupt but uh for some reason it sounds muffled i don't know if the phone's covered up a certain way or not maybe you can it's probably that oh, fat from the pepperoni yep it's that turkey pepperoni clogging it now yeah, <laughs> um i shall not lie y'all want me to hold it I can hold the computer up. Is that better? Oh, it's a computer? Yeah. Uh, try to mute the mic and, and unmute it. All right, say something Sorry. normal. Uh, I just got back from the All store. Right. All right. Better? Yeah, it sounds uh, a little better. A little better, but we'll make it work. All right, so... How long, how long you been doing this, would you say? 15, 20 years? About 14, 14. This is year 14. Um, I'm probably going to ride off into the sunset here in about the next two years and never touch a pub or a day party or anything ever again. Really? Um, what's next, if you don't mind sharing? Uh, I might be just be talking to but uh, Go back to Walmart. Really go back to my mind. No, I want to get into more like uh, like conferences, like trade shows, like large scale, like events. Uh, so for those of you that don't know, Columbus is like number one in one of the number one or the top event like production cities as far as like conferences, expos, things like that. Uh, that's why we have organizations like Experience Columbus. Uh, that's why we have uh, the Short North Arena or not Short North. Uh, uh, arena district council or short north arch district like council uh create columbus all those things um so i want to kind of get into more of that phase specifically working on events that deal with like helping and uplifting like black people so how can we make black people better how can we do things that engage black people um and as ernest knows uh, my day job like i work with corporations all day and so how do we take their dollars and use their dollars for advancing black folks. And so that's a very different skill set, new skill set. Uh, and parties are great. I will always love to kick it. Um, but I feel like one, this is something more meaningful. And I feel like two, um, you know, you don't have to go out and drink. You don't have to be out past midnight. You don't have to call a hundred Ubers. You don't got to deal with a lot of the monotony that comes along with dealing with parties. I mean, parties are great, but I would much rather be in the house by nine with a glass of wine. Not nouveau. <laughs> Not, yeah. 
That's crazy how bad Nouveau really was, and people was just buying it and drinking just because of the bottle. Bro. Thursday through Saturday. I probably shouldn't say this, but we got so many complaints about the hypnotic people. We're like, oh, this is so nasty. I'm like, you just wasn't outside to enjoy it. That's all. But yeah, people was not fucking with it on Friday. It was nasty then, but you know, when you're young and just want to have a good time, you'll drink it and say it tastes good, and it really fucking doesn't. Yeah, if you weren't outside for like the hypnotic and Hennessy phase, like it, you just duplicating something that you never experienced. It's like wearing a throwback jersey and you never like watching the Astros basketball game. So that's right. cool. Yeah. But hypnotic is top five worst liquors or cognacs or whatever it is of all time. It's really detriment to the black community. <laughs> Hennessy too, but uh, unless they want to sponsor us, then Hennessy's great. Um, so. <laughs> So here, here, finally, we'll get to the hard-hitting questions that not necessarily, and these aren't questions that are geared towards you specifically, but mm-hmm. towards event planners, promoters, venue owners. Um, we want to talk about uh, when it comes to booking DJs, do you expect the DJ to promote and why or why not? Um, for me, what I would say is Uh, I would expect the DJ to promote because ultimately it's an opportunity for people to come see you. It's every chance you have the DJ is an audition. And so you never know who's going to be there. You never know who's going to hear you. You never know what's going to come back of it. I know a lot of guys who have gotten casual or residencies just from the owner or the manager saying like, I really like this DJ or coming to me for a referral to say, do you have a DJ that you can refer um, you know, I put burn on some things like, all right, cool. Like, just go ahead and knock this out. Like, it's cool. They need a DJ. I know I put chase on to a lot of events. So as a, as a host venue owner, whatever it is, role I would play, I would hope the DJ is promoting. And if they're not, my question would be like, why now I don't expect you to be the leader in promotion. I don't expect you to promote more than the venue or the promoters, but you should kind of carry your weight. Um, I guess just to play devil's advocate, because I really don't know where I stand on this, but my response would be, um, the, it's the promoter's job to promote, um, cause they get paid based off of the percentage of who's there. Whereas as a DJ, whether there's zero people there or a thousand, I still got a DJ for the same amount of time and I'm getting a flat fee. So what would your response be to that? My response would be to be one, if you're looking at it just on a event one-time basis like that's kind of like the wrong mindset to have me i try to show loyalty to the people that who are loyal to me and so whether we have an event that is you know once a month or once a year whatever it is i'm going to try to find other opportunities to bring you along and plug you in and i'm always going to remember the people who are like on time who you know don't have any equipment issues who not getting crazy drunk who are promoting and actually bringing additional people and adding value uh, and so even if it's just not for that night, you know, I'm looking at it as I'm trying to roll for more than just a day. And then there's also been situations where it's like, hey, we got a regular or a reoccurring event or, hey, if it does extra people, I'm going to give you a few extra dollars because I saw you working hard. You know what I'm saying? So um, and I'm like you, Byron, like I don't ever want to ask anybody to ever come down on their price. So, uh, yeah. So I would just hope that as a common courtesy, like DJs would just like promote. Great answer. Um, (laughs) I've I've been waiting to ask you this question. So what's more important? You can only pick one. 
if a DJ brings out people or if a DJ is good? A DJ is good. Um, one, a DJ bringing out people is is great, but I also, well, for me personally, I'm not going to bring a DJ who's going to bring people that I wouldn't want at my event. And so if I'm booking you, I'm kind of booking you as a total brand and complete package. So if I know DJ Byrne is going to, you know, DJ, and he's going to bring out 20 people, but they all hoods, they're going to be out of dress code, they're going to be harassing women, they're going to be fighting and doing all kinds of stuff. Like, I'm probably not going to book you. Or I might book you and be like, bro, just don't promote. Just don't tell anybody. I don't want anybody coming with you, which is an awkward conversation to have. And I've had to have that conversation with some people that's like promoted an event of mine and be like, yo, can you, I appreciate it, but yo, can you not reshare my flyer or can you not like tag, like, or tag me? Wow. I don't want that audience. I don't want it like associated with me. And it's cool or, you know, whatever it is, it's just not something I align with. So I would rather have you come DJ put the bringing people in the hands of the promoters and just rock out like that. Oh, just to rewind real quick. I meant to say this before I asked the question. Um, for my memory, which is terrible, but as far as I can remember, I don't think Marlon's ever asked me to DJ for free. And I think it's oftentimes he's been like, all right, cool. I'm going to compensate you. But if it does better, I'm going to take care of you. Or, well, this one didn't work out, but I got something else for you. So a lot of promoters don't do that. A lot of promoters are cheap as fuck. Um, so shout out to Marlon for that. But yeah, um, I, I was just wondering about the uh, popular versus talent thing. Because I think in all entertainment, it's, it's about numbers. And um, a, a lot of business owners are worried about, you know, making money as opposed to providing a good event. Uh, I mean, they say they try to do both. But a good event to them is a bunch of people in the building spending money regardless of if there's quality entertainment going on or not. So. Yeah. And that, I mean, I've seen that. Um, I've seen it's where people book DJs cause they bring people and it's like, this person's not really a good DJ. Like they don't transition well, the song selection is not good or they're just used to DJing for a group of, or they DJ for themselves. Like, which is the worst DJ to have. Like the DJ that comes in to hear themselves play is like, all right, like this is for you and not for the audience. So um, yeah. So I would, I would pick talent and, depend on other people to bring the crowd bet, bet, bet. um <laughs> okay i know you got something oh no i i got i got some questions for you okay. so and this is less about you and more about the people listening because i couldn't wait to, to cover this with you can you please explain to people why we did not take requests at our bar oh bro so it Backstory. Um, so our bar, we only play like 90% R&B. Uh, the most rap you're really going to get is like some Chris Brown or some Drake. Um, and so we don't take requests. And I have Burn Design a Flyer assigned. We don't take requests because we've selected the DJs based upon their ability to provide the music set to the event that we're curating or the crowd that we're curating the event to. So if you want to hear Crime Mob for six songs straight, like that's not what we're going to do because the music plays such an integral part in how the event experience is. You've got to be very intentional about how you set that up for success. And so letting people who are coming with their own individual thoughts or opinions on what they want to hear, a lot of times it may fall outside of the construct of what we're trying to do. And some people respect it. 
and that's great. And some people kind of get argumentative. Well, like, well, I don't want to hear that. And it's like, that's cool. But a lot of times you're in the minority. And so we have people coming every week and they're coming every week based off the ambiance or the vibe that we provide. We're going to stick to what we know. And we're not going to adhere to people who, you know, you may be here one week, you may be here the next. And even if you are there every week, we're assuming that you're coming because you like what we're already doing. And so we're not going to change that. Um, so that's the importance of like, just understanding and respecting the fact that we don't take song requests, not because we don't care about you or your opinion. We don't take song requests because we've already entrusted in our DJs to provide the experience, the vibe that we want our crowd to have. Did you guys ever get, did the R-Bar staff ever get complaints? Cause I know as <clears throat> one of the resident DJs for R-Bar, a lot of people would, they would say things to me, you know, have complaints about not doing it. And I'm like, man, I wish Marlon or Chuck was standing or Leon was standing here right now. So they could feel these, these comments and requests because I mean, we had a conversation prior to like, hey, this is the vibe going forward. Not that they need to be privy to those private conversations that we have um, when we work together, but I'm just curious if anyone ever said anything to our bar staff about it, about uh, the no requests. I, I think maybe once, but the thing I love about our staff is our staff like are standing by the product like you know we consider ourselves blue magic so we're not going to cut no corners we're not going to shortcut anything for anybody. Yeah. And so the brand and the experience are what matter most, not one individual person. So even on nights where the staff don't make the most amount of money or a staff person got to work, you know, a Wednesday and they can't work every Saturday, like the team was very much like together and a unified front for whatever was going on. Um, so, I mean, if somebody did say something, they like, well, that's cool, um, but we'll see you next week or we'll see <laughs> whatever it is. And not even in like a disrespectful way, but it's like, if we were doing something that wasn't working, people would not be coming here. Thanks. And for those of y'all who come to our bar, you may realize like, there's no cover. We really don't have a crazy dress code. We really don't have a bunch of security um, because that's the crowd that we're catering to. And at one point we started kind of seeing like a slide or a decline in the crowd. It was kind of getting younger. It was, it was, you know, individuals who I was like, I don't know if we really want this person in here. People would try to smoke. And so we kind of came up into sticking with that element of it's only R&B uh, after 11 o'clock for a period of time, like guys had to be 30, ladies had to be 25. And that really kind of kept the experience of what we were trying to create at a certain level. Um, and if you don't like that, like, that's cool. Like you just, it's just not for you and that's okay. Yeah. Um, we're going to have a longer, like I said, probably a five part episode about why DJs don't take requests. But in this prime example is because the person that's paying me told me not to take requests and, and they told that they paid me to provide a certain type of vibe. And I know you want something else, but you just heard that in your car. You're going to hear it when you get back in your car. So if you want to expedite that request, leave and you play whatever you want. <laughs> um, and that's, to that point, we got to make a PSA on this. Please stop coming to the DJ booth, making requests for things or asking for shout outs and trying to like slide people $20 and making that be like, oh, I'm trying to give you some money. Like my money not good here. Like one, that little $20 ain't going nowhere. And as a DJ, if they're risking, you know, long-term gigs, long-term bookings over a short four minutes of me playing your song for 20 bucks, like that don't make no sense to the young DJs out there just so y'all know. Also to the host, 
y'all don't have to shout out every person that comes up and says, give me a shout out, give me a birthday thing or do this and do that. What you have to understand is that you are in control of the vibe and the experience and that the experience for the greater good of the people should never be sacrificed for the satisfaction of one person. So just leave it at that. There's sometimes people come to me like, oh, can I get a birthday shout out? Can you shout out this person? I can. Am I going to? Maybe I will. Maybe I'm not. Only if it fits within the construct of what we're doing. And it's the entitlement for me because no matter what you ask for, I respect you for asking. But when I say no, that's it. That's it. Why do you keep asking? Um, Some people are really sweet about it. Some ladies are, even guys are like, hey, like, um, you know, uh, it's my friend's birthday. She really likes this song. And that's like, cool. We We may give in to that every now and again. But the entitlement, like you said, is like, bro, like we, first of all, I don't owe you nothing. I appreciate you coming, but I don't owe you anything. Like trust that we're going to provide you a good experience and you don't go to other places asking to control every dynamic of what's going on. You don't go to a future concert and be like, man, I started off with March Madness and then, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, come back with stick talk. Like, no, bro, like trust that man and trust the people that are production, producing the event. Um, oh, you brought up a great topic. I, I don't want to make this too long, but um, as somebody that's well traveled, can you tell me wh- why you? Okay, well, let me let me rephrase this. I believe that Columbus people don't support things that are from Columbus as much as they do when it's from out of town. Why do you think that is? Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. This is a fact. Um, I will say the difference between Cleveland and Columbus is that Cleveland is a lot more local supportive and inclusive, and that's top down across the board, whether it's with local music, local artists, uh, just typical local things, even like the radio station is more supportive of local music, uh, and events. Um, I think with Columbus and somebody said it before, somebody said Columbus didn't have a real identity. I won't say Columbus doesn't have an identity. I think Columbus has a dope culture. I think sometimes people get sucked into wanting to be above Columbus. You know what I'm saying? Like wanting to be from somewhere outside of here or being able to relate to something outside of here. So when an event comes here, that's not here or a concept that comes here, that's not here. It's like, oh yeah, I did that in Atlanta or, you know, that's from Miami. Like that's what they're doing in Miami. It's almost appearing as if these cities are more socially advanced than what Columbus is. Columbus is quietly one of the dopest places that you can ever be in. I think one thing though is people's lack of experiences, people's lack of actually going out and like seeing the world. Uh, And I'm not just talking about going to Atlanta or going to, you know, uh, Miami for Memorial Day weekend, but like really get out here and experience like some dope places to go to and kind of the vibes and the events that they have. Like I went to Phoenix in September and their whole like kind of like culture was just so different. It's very integrated. uh, It's very mixed. Um, Everybody's inclusive. Everybody's like together. Uh, It's a big time like nobody's from here so we repping where we from when we get here but we still are, are tied into things dc is a lot of like chocolate city like but it's a diaspora of stuff so you got your trap you got your go-go uh you got your house music that i love in dc i love going to dc and hearing house music um and so it's just a matter of like it's okay to be from columbus bro. it's okay to support something that starts here you don't have to appear as if you know you're above columbus Shout out to Malcolm. And don't start 
supporting something once a celebrity get attached to it because that's corny. And I see you. Um, I <laughs> last two things from me, and then don't forget to have anything. So I was talking to a DJ that remained nameless from Cleveland, uh, who just recently moved back down here. He was telling me like how he didn't have a job because he just DJ three nights a week. He's telling me how much he got paid. I'm like. That's crazy because that's like, I don't think you would ever get that here. And I can understand why you don't DJ here because you're not going to get $400 for or $500 a night. And I think it's because the DJ culture is just different. Like every DJ that's there that has a residency is actually a dope DJ. Um, and actually, and they demand that, that money, like they won't take less. So I say all this to say, um, I and even when we went to DC with the Rose Bar, like full equipment set up, I had to bring nothing in there. Uh, I can just plug in, uh, and it's like that in a lot of cities. It's uh, it's only like that here in Columbus in one urban venue. I would say no, no I'm sorry, in one venue. It's definitely not urban. Um, so, what do you think we have to do as DJs in Columbus to one get these venues to provide equipment, two get these venues to pay DJs more, and three at the minimum, I can't tell you the last time I had a bar tab. Well, actually, I can. It was a uh, I forgot the venue, but it don't matter. But yeah, so I think all these things are like, and and I don't even want to go into a tech writer. That's, that's like, I, I don't think people even know what that is. So what do you think we have to do to get that here? First of all, if you're talking about a tech writer, you are like the dissertation level of entertainment uh, for here. So let's just kind of dumb it down to uh, uh, equitable DJ pay uh, and equipment slash production. Um. I don't know. And I wish O'Sharp could be on this call because me and O'Sharp have talked about this for years. We talked about it from the promoter world and like the, you know, people taking deals and people just doing events just to do events. And there's like no standard. Uh, and also he said it from the DJ side, like, you know, oh, the reason I feel like I treat DJs good is because I have a good DJ mentor in O'Sharp and, uh, and, and D-Boogie. And it's like when you got older guys like that telling you like, no, nah, bro, like, don't do that. Do this, do this, do that you know, this is what the DJs need, like understanding how much better that's going to make the experience for your event. And so if I'm, no, I'm coming into a venue and I'm asking the venue, like, all right, so what, what equipment do y'all use? And they're like, oh, DJs bringing their own equipment or they're using some old uh, pioneer, uh, what's the thing called burn where it's all in one, the DJ thing? Um, the, uh, I, I know what you're talking about. I, I remember what's called right now. Um, using like the old board or whatever i can't i cannot remember what it's called right now um it's, it's the not precursor to a controller though. yeah yeah basically a controller like yeah it's like you, you have an old controller or whatever it is like that's going to affect your event um i think one dj has got to kind of band together a little bit more and then i think two the event host and the promoters got to value the dj more like instead of just putting anybody behind a turntable who's willing to DJ for a hundred dollars for four hours, like that's really, that's not adding, that's not making a quality event. And I've said it before, I feel like the city, this is not an advertisement because people have told me this, like the city really misses our bar just because like it was at least if nothing else, like we was going to set a standard. Like we was going to have a baseline. Um, we was going to have a way that we was going to do things and we was going to do it our way and we weren't going to cut no corners on it. So I don't think the city has another spot to where you can go to where it's like, I'm gonna have a good time. I'm gonna have, you know, good drinks. It's not gonna be no drama. 
the music's going to be good and I ain't got to pay 10, 20, 30 dollars to get in. I also ain't got to worry about, you know, having an issue outside in the parking lot or whatever it is. Um, so I think the DJs really kind of got to stand up and I'd even be an advocate. I said a long time ago, I said DJs in the DJ union, like y'all need to band together and get some DJ insurance and get some DJ. Like we're not, we're not, we're not DJing anywhere for less than, I know other promoters going to kill me, but we're not DJing anywhere for less than 75 an hour. And like, that's what's it. Or you put a contingency plan in place and say, Hey, you know, if it's an event where you charging a cover, you know, I'm doing this amount because you charging 10, $20 a hit. Or if it's an event where it's like, you're not charging no cover. All right, cool. I can have my, you know, non-cover entry fee amount, which I think is fair because promoters, we kind of do the same thing. Like if it's an, if it's an event where I'm charging a cover, I'm going to incur some more expenses. If it's an event where I'm not charging, I may not make as much, but also I'm not paying security. I'm not paying a door person. Uh, I'm not paying the DJ in full. I'm trying to put that off to the bar or the club or the venue, whatever it is. And I think also like these club owners kind of got to like, somebody has to tell them like, bro, we're not coming here to DJ off no booth ass equipment. Um, you know, we just had an event this weekend. I was kind of, I was salty and I feel like I owe people an apology and, you know, the DJs in general, like shouldn't be going into places where it's like, bro, the speaker's been broke for weeks. You shouldn't be going into places where it's like, all right, you know, the monitors don't work or, you know, uh, I love fighting. I'll tell them like, bro, you telling me it's a heated patio and it's 38 degrees out here. And so I'm selling something that's not true. And I, I don't ever want to get into that business of selling something that's not true. Um, and so. I would say the DJs need to come together and be like, look, y'all, we're not charging no less than this. This is what this is the standard. At least if you want to be in this circle now, if you want to go DJ in Newark or you want to go DJ in uh the hilltop, like that's cool. You can go over there and do that. But for these places, these locations, like we're not gonna DJ for less than this amount. And also, this is our requirement that we need everybody to have as far as equipment. Now, if you want to bring your own equipment, that's cool. I know some DJs are like, and Bernie and Reby, I'm probably gonna laugh, but some DJs can't use any other equipment than any equipment that they own. Um, and that's a learning thing. And sometimes it's just like they're not advancing their craft. Um, but here's our tech writer. Here's the equipment that we need. We need reins. We need, you know, CDJs. We need whatever it is. And this is what we're going to use. Sorry, that was a real long-winded answer, but kind of passionate about that part. That's exactly what I need to hear. And I, I would agree that um, we don't have a standard here. And that's why, like, you know, promoters and club owners just treat DJs however just because there, there's a DJ out there that would just take whatever uh, in, in order to be on and be the man and, you know, get a bottle for their birthday or whatever, and knowing that they ain't get paid right. Also, um, I think I said this on when, when Craig was on here, but, um, you know, back in the day, DJs had other DJs they look up to. Now the DJ's OG is a promoter, so he'll do whatever. So, and, and a, a lot of people promote uh, transition from promoter to DJ, and so they don't, like, respect the craft a lot so it will take a, con uh, a you know a concerted effort but also this is probably a longer conversation for another day but i feel like a lot of djs here don't stick together um and don't like it's like i can't have a conversation with you about djing because you're not on my level and i'm like how does anybody learn that way like if like if you only talk to people on your level then nobody would ever learn anything because it's always somebody that knows less of you, it's always somebody that knows more to you. And that's why um, me and me and Don Fred were just talking about this, talking about Mr. King, because Mr. King is like the opposite of that. Like he he's a open book, and so it's great. But other DJs aren't, so it's hard to 
you know, get the whole union going. But I do believe, because uh, I feel like all the DJs, well, not all the DJs, but a lot of DJs I know from Cleveland, they all have like, a good relationship with each other. So it's easier to be like, we not going for this. Like, like th- they're not going to pay us this much. And because we feel this way, you ain't going to do it either because, like, you're not just going to let them play you like a sucker because we all got a standard. And I, I think part of that, too, is nobody, like, DJs back in the day, like, every, you got to pay dues. So, like, you got to carry crates. You got to come and do the setup. You got to come learn all those little nuances of, you know, doing whatever. I think the same way is, like, promoters kind of pay dues. Like, nobody ever comes out the gate and just starts being a paid promoter. Like, I don't care who, who you are. Never. It never happens. You start out with a guest list. You start out with a bar tab. You start out with, you know, I'll get you in free and all your friends or even a comp table. Nobody starts out as like a, 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 a pay, pay promoter. And then even still after that, like you do a little payout here or you get a little baby percentage. And the people that are really eating are the people that's like putting the actual event on. Um, and so I think part of that is like DJs don't have to pay dues. People are just going to get on YouTube, go buy some equipment or get some whatever or get on their phone and, and do whatever. And because they man's is just going to slide them into the club or let them go on free or early because they don't, they, you know, they want to do it for free. They don't want to pay. Like the cycle is going to perpetuate itself. I think I don't, I don't think I've ever said this openly. What I would really like to create is like a conglomerate, like, bruh, here are the top five or six promoters in the city. Here are the top 710, whatever it is, DJs in the city. And we're going to come together and at least for, you know, this market, this 25 to 40 year old market, we're not going to do events at places that we're not welcome. We're not going to book DJs that, you know, that are undercharging and undercutting other DJs. We're going to set a standard and we're not going to compete with each other on different nights. So, you know, if I know such and such has a party on Thursday night, I'm not going to have a party on Thursday night because I want his party to do good. And in turn, when I have my party on Sunday or Saturday or whatever it is, they're going to, you know, support, repost, whatever it is. And that way, collectively, like we really like unionize. And so everybody can win. Everybody can eat more. The parties are going to be better. The events are going to be better. And as a result, like the economic side of things make better. If there's only one party and everybody's going there and everybody's paying, we can pay the DJs more. We can pay the security more. We can offer a better premium experience. We can have better venues, like all that stuff. But if you want to go to Poconos on Tuesday night and pay the DJ 60 bucks and be like, all right, whatever, then it's just never going to work. Yeah, I mean, sounds good. But unfortunately, as you probably know from over the years, uh, everybody's all like, well, why work together when, um, like, I do that too. So I'm going to do my thing. Instead of working with you, I got I to do my thing because I do that too. Or my man DJ too. Or my cousin, he a promoter, so I'm going to support him instead of you, even though he's a lesser quality DJ promoter or whatever. And I feel like with that, there's always going to be outliers. And so my plan would be like, as long as I can control 75, 80%, like that other 20% is going to eventually drown out. Like it's, it's not, it's going to not be good. You're either going to end up with venues that aren't as good. You're going to end up having attendance that ain't as good or a quality of your crowd is not going to be as good. And at the same time, it's going to be like, all right, well, you often looking like, well, damn, now I'm because I'm not part of this group. Or I'm choosing to go against the grain. Now I'm always going against a unifier front. So if 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 Dre has a party, 
you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to do a party the same day Dre has a party. If Ashley and Dustin, if Just Friends has a party, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to promote their party and try to get people to come out to my after party, whatever it is. But it takes people kind of like working together collectively to be like, look, this is what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. And because of that, everybody's going to have a better experience. So that's cool if you don't want to get in line with that, but you're going to end up doing a party somewhere on uh, gender road with, you know, nothing. Sorry, everybody. No, that was funny. Shout out to gender. <laughs> I feel like we've done a party on gender road. Probably. I don't know why he just said gender road out of all the streets. The farthest location out east. Just to, just, <sighs> I okay, I have a question. Speaking of the, the top seven to ten DJs in the city. I'm not going to um, air. No, calm down. I know you weren't. I wasn't going to put well, you in the house that way. Um, but what qualities do you look for in a DJ when you're when you're booking DJs? Uh, a lot of stuff. Um, equipment. So, you know, I've gotten to a couple places where I can't hire certain DJs because their equipment's not up to par. And so for to keep it in layman's terms, essentially, if your equipment is not up to par, the sound quality will never be good at the venues that you're in. And so if your your mixer is not good, if, you know, your chords aren't good, um, uh, your controller, you're using a baby controller and it's like, it's not able to push the output so the song quality is bad. Can't do it. Can't do it. For also, you DJs out there, he means that if your controller was less than $300, it don't got XLR input uh, outputs. Therefore, you can't play with the big dogs. Take that Fisher-Price, my first controller, back into the fucking house. All right, go ahead. Essentially, yeah, that's that. Um, the, the, and also the thing with the equipment is, you know, I'm really going to book an event where I have one DJ. And so I need to be putting DJs that are compatible because that is a respect thing. If people are going to be sharing equipment or utilizing equipment, I want people to have a good relationship. I also want people that know how to use their shit. So if Burn brings his equipment and Reva's DJing, like he knows Reva's not going to tear his shit up. And at the same time, Reva's not going to get up here and be like, I don't even know how to use this shit. Because <laughs> uh, Burn's got some alien 3000, like you said, $175 uh, 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 controller that people can't use. And so equipment is, is definitely one component. I would say two, uh, uh, song selection and diversity. Uh, so a lot of times people get stuck into like this same 15, 20 songs. And it's like, bro, I need you to, if you can get into a bag, I need you to get into a bag. And I've seen DJs get into like a crazy bag. For example, Leak went into a crazy bag at the last Orange Soda. Like he blacked out at, at Orange Soda. And then I've seen some DJs get hemmed up because it's like, oh, I plan these 12 songs out and the crowd's not rocking with these 12 songs. Now I'm kind of stuck on having to really like DJ. So I should say, didn't send you to say song selection, but being able to adjust on the fly and still remain within the constraints of the event. So if you're at our bar and like, oh, uh, Ashanti don't go off, that don't mean you just jump in the crime mob because that's not within the constraints of the bar. Um, and I think also is one just like, the soft skills, like I, I ain't the best person with soft skills, I'll tell y'all that right now, but I would like, I try to get better, but like being on time, having the right equipment, not getting shitty drunk. You know, if you're, if you, if you are buying drinks, I once, I once had a DJ, I ain't gonna say who it was cause we cool now, but I, we were about to throw fisticuffs over a drink tab. Cause they thought that you know, they should just get free drinks. And I'm like, bro, I'm not paying this. Like, 
what's the issue? Um, so it was a long-standing joke about that, but just having like good people etiquette, like it's a business, it's a job at the end of the day. It's a job where you can have fun, but at the end of the day, I want you to be on time. I want you to be, you know, I want you to be coherent. I want you to be able to be serviceable. And you are ultimately a representation of me and my brand. Yeah, Orange Soda has definitely taught me, Marlon won't say it, but I'm going to say it. A lot of y'all DJs don't have an hour of nothing. Like, it gets to 45 minutes, and it gets shaky, and you playing nine Orange orange Soda songs, and I'm like, That's why, or how, rather, I got out of pre-made sets. Because, you know, if Marlon hit me and say, hey, I need you to do 45 minutes for a little intermission at this event for my job. So I put together 45 minutes and then he goes, actually, something's going on backstage. I need you to do another 30. And you standing there like, but I only plan for the 45 minutes. <laughs> Let me tell you how dope Reva is. Reva did like an eight hour DJ gig for my job. Like oh my last year. I just remember this just now. Like my feet still hurt. What was that? Like 11 to six Reva? Like and my, I was probably only there for four hours. So I was tired. Um, so that was, yeah, shout out to you, Reva. That was dope. Uh, I gave Reva a recommendation and she came through in the clutch. And I was like eight hours of DJing is like climbing my others. But yeah, so pre-made set, that's cool until- That face. Yeah, it ain't. Okay, I have another question. Yep. How do you measure a successful party? And for the unsuccessful parties, what percentage or proportion of that do you attribute to the disc jockey? Mm, that's a good question because a lot of people are going to tell you if a party has a bunch of people and it made a bunch of money at the door, it's a success. And I've done some parties where I've made a bunch of money at the door and been like, that was, that was awful. Like that was not fun. That was just literally cramming people in a box or getting people inside and just kind of being like, all right, cool. There's no experience to it. Um, so one, I would say the, not just the quantity of people, but the quality of people that you're bringing out. Like I know some people when they come out the house, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, it's that shit tonight, boy. Cause this person don't never come out. Sometimes it's guys, sometimes it's, uh, it's women. Um, but there's certain quality of people. I'm like, okay, if they hear, like, that means we got the right crowd coming out. On the flip side, there's some people I've seen. I'd be like, God, Lee, like they're here. Like for me, one of them nights. <laughs> just the approach on the marketing. Uh, I think too. I think the the kind of like the 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 party, the comfortability element. Like the thing about Cleveland, and I love Cleveland. I love where I'm from. We do not party. Like we will come out. We will come to the club, and everybody will be in a section or be on the dance floor, just kind of looking around at each other. Um, so allowing people to be comfortable in their element to where they can feel, you know, prime example, Reva, like I never feel like they can't have fun and be uh, able to dance at a party, you know what I'm saying? Because of men or other women or whatever it is. And so my measuring stick a lot of time is if the women are having fun, like, and they're dancing and they're, you know, getting comfortable, that's a good win. The guys, mm, not so much because whatever, who cares about guys at a party? Not really me. Um, appreciate y'all, but for, we're going to say it on air. The parties are catered towards women. Like women make any event, the better quality of women, the more women there are just the, that just whatever scale that is, that just goes hand in hand. 
Um, and so you want women most of all to be comfortable to have a good time because they're also going to be the ones that give you the best report out the next day. Oh, I had such a great time at your event. Da, 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 da. Me and my girls. Oh, I just got home and oh, we had brunch trying to recover or when's your next event? And women are also the ones that are coming dressed up. Guys, you don't know what you're going to get from us. So I would say that. And you um, get that promotion from women too just like you said it's going up on everybody's ig stories everybody's gonna know okay that's where we need to be next weekend if that person that person that person is throwing it and that's who's djing yeah and that's and like making sure that people are comfortable having a party and i think the last part is really just for real like just making sure it's no no uh i would say logistical or people issues so like no power outages no uh, you know, we've all been there where the equipment or something with the house system is messed up. And now we trying to ad lib on the fly. Uh, and they're also like, you know, people issues, people aren't getting overserved, People ain't getting too drunk. People ain't fighting people not, you know, in, in also the bar wait time, bar wait time can ruin any party. I don't care. Like if you, if you have bad services at venue, that could take things down quick. So I would say those are probably like my four or five pieces of, of the pie. Okay. And what are some instances in a unsuccessful party where you blame the DJ? Because I've done, me and Burn did a white party over the summer where the music Ooh, was the fire, white party. Oh, no. Nobody wanted to dance at the white party. So as a promoter, you know, is that a success? Is that an unsuccessful event? How do we gauge that? So I brought up the white party. I gave the white party like a six and a half, seven. Not because of the music, but because I feel like the element of the people and just like one it was hot as hell outside so i feel like it was hot and two people got on white so they really ain't trying to scrub the ground or do nothing like that no matter what you play what i will say is that everybody 90 percent of people came dressed and so i was like all right we need to figure out some elements where there's maybe an inside component inside out it was also a huge ass venue inside outside component somewhere to keep the people kind of contained and where it's cool but yeah that was a situation where it was like it's hot and people are wearing white and the music is great but people ain't trying to dance and get sweaty well and the demographics for that party were kind of all over the place um the first the first wave of people that came in were much wiser than the three of us here on this zoom call and so i was playing songs that wouldn't offend some of the ladies that look like they could be my auntie right and then burn comes behind me and he getting straight to the shits and, and they looking like oh my god and i'm like i don't know what to do here like i don't know yeah that was all over the place <laughs> and i think people see like winery sometimes and being outside and people just kind of like okay so do i throw ass at the winery like what's the rules here like how do i like you said older people see white party they come and dress down, ready for whatever. So they come and post it up. They're going to have two Coronas and they're going to be straight. Um, yeah, that was definitely an experience where I was like, aesthetically, it looked good. Like picture wise, I was like, experience wise, I was like, got to be a better solution with the venue or like the theme because those two that, yeah, y'all was playing everything. And I was like, I don't know what people want to do. I don't know what y'all want to do. I mean, to be fair, we had a similar experience at another party that remained nameless. Not, I'm not trying to shit on them, but it was also hot as hell. People were dressed up and they just wasn't partying. Mm. So, I mean, I, I think it was those two elements is probably why 
that didn't go off. It definitely wasn't the music. I'm gonna say that. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the music, and I was like, and here's the part I don't like about social media, and it's like, bruh, people get, and this is why I hated Snapchat. I hate this. I hate the like, oh, like, come on, like, let's take, like, bruh. Take two pictures, three pictures, and then put the phone down. Like people get so caught up in trying to show that they're having a good time that they don't have a good time. Like you're staging an experience, trying to get people a, a, a case of FOMO where it's like, bro, I'm here with you. Like you're not even kicking it like that for real. Like you're putting on the facade that you are kicking it. And so I'm a big fan of like, bro, put the phone down. Like, and that was a situation where it's like people are dressed up and it's hot and people are taking more pictures than anything because they're dressed up and they're not really kicking it. So, yeah. That okay. Was, that was I have a- another random question. It just literally just came to me, so I might not even ask it the right way. But how many chances do you give a DJ? I'm new on the scene. You've never heard of me, never never seen me before. The first night I'm up, you don't really love my set. Am I one and done? Or do I get an additional opportunity to uh, amaze you? Like, No, I wouldn't say you're one and done. I think the, I hate to say this, I'm not the most frequent in giving the new DJs an opportunity just because I've got five people on, on a Rolodex who I can call and be like, I ain't got to have no worry about it. They're going to be on time. They're going to do all the things that I was telling you about earlier. On time, equipment music quality, whatever it is. Um, but for the chances that I do say like, all right, let's give a new DJ a chance. Um, and, and maybe they miss a little bit or maybe they just kind of like trying to get in their bearings. I don't write them off immediately. Like now, if they just, my thing is if you're not listening to what I'm saying or not following my directive as a host, then I just gotta be like, all right, bro. Like you clearly, you got this and you can do this other places to where you don't need to listen to me. But if you're trying to follow the directions, you're trying to like do what I'm telling you or follow the vibe or whatever it is. And you just, you know, some people have an off night or some people just whatever, you know, off night, not the deepest bag selection, not familiar with the crowd or whatever it is. I'm not going to condemn you to hell over that. You know, I'm going to talk to you about it. I'm going to put you in a better position. There's going to be people that come to our bar and swing and a miss and they'd be like all right like i'm gonna still rock with you like i'm gonna I'm help you figure it out um my dude dion dion's a new dj and i'm gonna throw dion out there um i think one of dion's first times it was kind of like mm, like cool but mm, like all right but the one thing i can say about dion dion just kept showing up and so when i didn't have a dj or when i needed somebody in a pinch like dion was always gonna be there on time Dion was always going to answer my text. Uh, Dion was willing to work when we were doing price reductions because of the pandemic at the bar and some people weren't. And it was like, all right. Um, and that was the other thing, like the pandemic opened up Dion's opportunity. Yeah, a lot of DJs weren't coming out to DJ. I DJ. was in the house, baby. Yeah, in the house. <laughs> Dion was like, fuck it, if I catch COVID, whatever, like, but I'm out here in these streets getting this DJ hustle on. So I think consistency is a thing as well. Like, bro, like, you, you may not have done the greatest the first time, but if I know I can depend on you to show up and you're coachable and teachable and doing all the other stuff, I can work with you. I can build you. Are I know you I one of the great promoter. Are you one of the hosts that secretly, <laughs> secretly wants to DJ behind the scenes? And so while you, while the people that are up there that are paid 
for four hours to do their job? Are you the one that's up there like, play this, play that? No, they want to hear this. They want to hear that. No, I very rarely, I think y'all know, I very rarely, rarely, rarely do that. What I may see is I see you're playing a song and I see a song it can transition well into. And I'm like, what you think about this? Or do this? Or how about you went to this earlier? Like, all right, swing it back around and do this because they just sang this song. Or if you're kind of like in a run of artists, I may say, oh, you and like you said, y'all soldier boy back, y'all you know, soldier boy back. Like, okay, uh, uh, drop kiss me through the phone. Like that's another one. You might be like, oh, I forgot about that. Like. I am very much not to like play this play. I don't, I do not like that. I do not like when hosts do that. Yeah. So, Me either. Let, <laughs> let, let the DJ DJ. The DJ is getting paid to DJ. They've been trusted to DJ. Let the DJ DJ. If I give you a suggestion and you like, nah, I'm cool. It they, they, I, I gave my suggestion, but that's that's not on me to try to pull rank like that for real. Like that's taking away the DJ's creative. Uh, control and I don't want anybody to have to feel like that. I'm curious. Uh, I mean, we can wrap this up soon. Um, present company excluded. What's the best DJ set you've you've experienced live, whether you was involved with it or not? Oh, best DJ set I've experienced live. Um, Manny Fresh set was obviously that was. That was up there. That was a smoker. I was like, man, he's a, he said it himself. I'm a fucking DJ. Like he's a real, real deal DJ. Um, I cannot remember what night it was, but there was a night where, no, it was Reva had a Sunday where we did the women's day piece at the bar. Reva kind of like blacked out and went zero dark 30 and uh, I'll admit, I always get worried asking like newer DJs to DJ like three and four hour sets. But I don't know whether you you did a, a research assignment, Reva, or you was on <laughs> what happened. Um, but you blacked out on that. Um, Burn, you've got a, a, a bunch of a Rolodex of things. I mean, it's just so many nights at our bar. It's just, you know, so many 40 yeah. point games. I don't know. A lot of 40 point games in the garden. Um, I think the, another person that I was. Leak, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sub that. Leak blacked out at the last Orange Soda. Like that was a, that was a wild performance for a first time Orange Soda person. And then I think there's one time, um, I'm trying to stay away from like famous DJs. Uh, off the map, uh, D Boogie came in and did a him and O Shark both did a house music set. But for those of y'all don't know D Boogie, he DJs, he does rap, he does whatever. He really don't want to DJ rap. He wants to play house. Yes. So he came to the bar. They did bump the floor. He had like a one hand earpiece thing that he was holding yeah, up. With the, with the, yeah, that's the old school. Yeah, with the old school joint. And he had the coldest house set. And I just think it kind of like went unappreciated because people just get used to the regular regular. So I would say that's, that's probably the ones that I've heard that I was like, yo, like this yeah. You know, what's crazy is um, talking to Crate and then watching Crate on Friday. I think people oh, just don't appreciate, period. Like, Crate was up there. Like, he, he was going through the songs a little fast for me. But I think just the fact that you can pay money to go into a venue and watch somebody like Crate or O 
or McMaster Ice or there's all these legends like Jay Raw. Like people walk by Jay Rawls in the in the grocery store, and don't say nothing to him. That's a legend. So it's Jay like Rawls, Jay Rawls did my first club party, front room of Long Street, two thousand and nine. Jay Rawls did the party. I think O Sharp set it up. He's he's my fraternity brother too. So right, he's a celebrity. I think there's also some redo some redo nights that. I've been like, yo, like, yeah, O-Sharp was kind of blacked out a couple of times. O-Sharp, low-key, he didn't quite go zero dark 30, but he went zero dark 38 at Double Happiness. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he, he went, yeah, yeah. Oh, was, that's the one I missed, right? Yeah, he was yeah, he was up there wilding. Yeah, the videos he, looked crazy on IG that night. He tried to get off stage, like, you know, it's just, I, you don't play the music that long. Like, like you forget about it, trying to be all humble. I'm like, man, shut up. <laughs> you went crazy. <laughs> It wasn't zero dark 30, but man, it was, yeah, it was 28.5, 29. I was like, golly. Anytime but, I got a back at the DJ and be like, golly, like, this is how you feel? Like, that's how you know that DJ is kind of in that element. But specifically, I'm asking now, as a party goer, what's the best set you heard? Like, just, you was out somewhere, Columbus, D.C., Phoenix, uh, Vegas, L.A., and you heard a DJ going in. Uh, you gotta answer that too. I would say one of the, I would say probably the best non here set. Um, there was, there was a set, a uh, house music set at Marvin's in DC, uh, for grilled cheese social. I know I didn't mean to bring up Marvin's, but I'm sorry. RIP uh, to Marvin. RIP to Marvin's. It was at grilled cheese social and Marvin's in like 2017, 2018. Hella five house music set and DC people dance to house music. So like they in there going in and it was just like, I got the video on my phone still. That was one of the best sets. And then I want to say, uh, just elbow wasn't that good when I saw him DJ. Shout out to Idris, that's my cousin, but he wasn't that good. Um, yeah, I, I think that's really the one of the most memorable ones. And somewhere along the lines of those 99-2000 block parties, I think the first 99-2000 block party, for those of y'all who were outside at uh, Park Street Social, we did like 12, 1,300 people uh, outside to the point where people started partying in the rain. I think that might have been the greatest collective, like, collective, like, DJ set that I've heard. Uh, I feel like Bandcamp's had a set that I was kind of like, goddamn, like, okay, cool. Um, but yeah, that 99 2000s party, like 2016, 2017, that was, yeah. Burn, were you on that? I, I wasn't. Cornbread, oh, Cornbread, IQ, Boogie, and Chase. That's who was on there. I can remember that. I, um, I'm looking at my answer right now, don't fret, but what's yours? Oh, um, so you know that I love Jermaine Dupree as a producer and a songwriter. Yeah. Um, I didn't really know his background as a DJ, but I went to see um, Beyonce's Lemonade tour in Pittsburgh, and he had that bitch jumping. Like, I was not prepared. So that's the best. Um, he was opening for Beyonce. That was the best DJ set that I've been to, like, not local. I would say, um, you know, I'm very particular when it comes to DJing, so. Whenever I hear something, I'm like, that's cool. Like, I could probably do better than that. However, <laughs> this was, uh, let me look, I'm, I'm looking for the picture. I'm looking up the date. It was May 27, 2012. And uh, I don't know what it used to be called, but it's called Delilah now, West Hollywood. Uh, 
we was in there with uh, Omar. Shout out to Omar. Uh, we was in there. Chris Brown was in there. Karuchi was in there. Uh, there was women crawling naked on the ceiling from nets. And I don't know who the DJ was. This is Take Care first came out. And um, he was whoever the DJ was was going crazy. And all I know is that uh, that hell yeah fucking right went off in there that night. Um, that's not met Eddie George too. So uh, I don't know what his name is though. It's um. There have been times. This is gonna sound selfish, but I don't care. There have been times I'm sitting there just minding my business, acting like I'm not listening to Reba DJ, and I look back like, God damn, where you pull that song from? <laughs> And I'm looking back like, and then people looking at me like, I know you, I know you proud. I'm like, yeah, low key, you know, because <laughs> uh, there's certain times I'd be like, like, I ain't teach you that. Where you get that from? Um, so, yeah, so that, that that's really don't the most recent times I've been impressed. Because um, like other people, when I see other people, people spend like, uh, like, like Mr. King or whatever, like I expect them to be dope. So I so so just like okay they doing what I expect them to do. I I'll probably say uh, Giovanni like probably had a, a time where he was DJ and I was like he's going crazy. Uh, I think he played um that Catronada socket to me at Orange Soda one time and I was like that that don't go with the theme but okay I see I see where you're going. So I don't know like it's just outside of many fresh and I think I was just starstruck because when he played um. It was either get your roll on or number one stunner. I was like, I'm standing here watching Manny Fresh play number one stunner. Like, I, I could die right now. <laughs> like, like, like this, I, this, this yeah. the tip top. So yeah, guys, so. I was so excited to see DJ Clue at the fest for him to perform, right. or did he even perform? For him to behave the way he behaved, I I was so let down. I don't think he he can never recover from that for me. Like I'm done. And he just didn't care either. And we ain't even gonna talk about that other day because he owes us money. He took the the after party bag and skated and went to another venue and I had a DJ four more hours that night. Oh so if I run into him, I'm gonna punch him in the stomach. <laughs> Anyways, um, I ain't got no more questions for him. Do, do you have any more questions? No, I'm wrapped on that. All right, cool. You have any questions for us? I was just figuring out like, if I had any questions. Um, he's hungry. He he's ready to go. All right, you got everybody. Now. I think I have one, one question. Okay. There, you can only play one artist. Well, I don't say the rest of your life, but if you can only play one artist for a year, publicly, privately, whatever it would be, pets, parties, basement sets, working out, who would your one artist be? Hey, I, I, I'm gonna let you go first. There's only two answers to this question, to be honest. But go ahead. Um, this is not for DJing. This is listening or all things. All things, all encompassing. Still only two answers. I would yeah, say gonna... I would say DJing. I would say you can, you can only DJ and put this music out to the public. So as you you talked, you spoke about earlier when the girls, how you measure a party when the women are enjoying themselves, it's a good sign that it's going to be a great night. I DJ for the girls. That's my thing. I find me a couple girls in the crowd. Okay, so she can't party. She, I'm gonna play. Okay, da, da, da. so um, nine times out of ten, usually ten times out of ten, Beyonce is gonna <laughs> do what needs to be done to get the ladies to the floor and for the party to go up. So if I could only play one artist for a year, um, it would be Beyonce's disc discography. 
And if me and her are going back to back, she picked Beyonce. There's only one other right answer. And respectfully, shout out to all the other DJs in the city. But respectfully, I got the best Drake set. And I put that against anybody's. But it would definitely be Drake. Because Drake service every crowd. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it would be Drake. That's what I was thinking. I, you can find a Drake song for any kind of mood that you're in. If you find yep. it and while are you trying to cry because you know Valentine's Day just went by and you're single again for the third year in a row? I'm not speaking to anybody individually, I'm just talking out loud. Um, I think personally, and people are probably gonna say, I, bro, I think Drake, maybe not talent wise, but like body of work outside of maybe Mike, like I think Drake has got it. And then there's Beyonce, but we can talk about that another day. <laughs> nah, but uh, Beyonce ain't got no fake drill music. Beyonce ain't got no fake shoot 'em up music. Drake got both of them. <laughs> but you know, she's working on an album, and she's probably got those things coming on this forthcoming album. So just let's circle back around to this after the album drops, okay? Reva, Reva says she heard the uh, she heard the samples and the leaks. I know what's going on. Huh? That's all I got. I appreciate y'all having me. We was right. I ate a whole thing of turkey pepperoni as I'm sitting here. My sodium is probably off the roof. Which is um, water. Yeah, I need yeah. water. And so, when is this episode air? So this is going to air tomorrow. I'm about to mix it tonight. Um, so, yes, keep in mind that uh, this Friday we'll be in Cleveland at Lotus for the All Star Weekend tip off. And then me and Reeve and. Um, uh, Riccio? Riccio, I was trying to think. <laughs> so many names popped in my head. Riccio will be at uh, Two Troops Friday night, and then Saturday we'll both, the three of us, will be at uh, uh, Rebar for Orange Soda in Cleveland. So check us out. Where they don't party or they don't dance. What did you say, Cleveland? Oh, we're going to make them do? dance. <laughs> this, As I said. This Rebar thing is about to be legendary. As I've been sitting here, there's like seven notifications came through as far as tickets, so so we about to sell out, but yeah. Um, plug your social media real quick. Uh, at Heartless McGee on Twitter, Instagram, and all things important at Marlon Anthony Events. Uh, at Our Bar and Lounge, uh, Our Bar Forever. Uh, I think that's really all I got for real. I don't think I got anything else. That's uh, there's like 19 other Instagram pages, but we only we will get to those when we get. To those. It's, uh, <laughs> it's at DJBERN underscore and at DNTFRT. That is put it on record. That's episode nine, and we will see you guys later.